Armstrong and Getty. The birthplace of talk radio. I hear all these idiots and fools and jackasses on radio. What an introduction that was. Holy God. My gosh. Nobody does it better. Kids, we don't want another incident here, okay? Yeah. It's such a bizarre world. I apologize for that. All right, go, go. I care about That's it. No apologies. This is Ed McMahon. And now, he is Armstrong and Getty. Getty. Live from Studio C. Oh, Caesar. It's a dimly lit room, deeper than the bowels of the Armstrong and Getty communications compound on Little Friday. Today we're under the tutelage of our general manager. A bipartisan group of United States Senators. That's our general manager. Hey, pump that music up, Michael. This is an information party. People got hats on, they're dancing, they're drinking. This Socially is a party. Socially distanced, of course. <laughs> Socially distanced dancing. Uh, why are there a group of bipartisan senators our general manager? It's beginning to look like there will be a COVID relief package. Or at least that's what uh, my sources say. Cool. My sources being your sources. <laughs> Everybody's sources. Everybody's got the this. internet. <laughs> <laughs> my sources, the internet, are telling me. That's right. But I believe it. Cool. Now you gotta like a good horn section. So this is more or less breaking news, and it's a good thing they got that relief package coming. As U.S. jobless claims remain high, they just hit for this week nearly 900,000 U.S. workers applied for jobless benefits. Jeez. The second week of increases, another sign the economy is entering a winter slowdown, according to the Wall Street Journal. Well, the holiday season, there's always much less hiring. Oh, wait. No, sorry. God, that's brutal. Uh, According to the Wall Street Journal, claims rose 23,000 from last week, which was unfortunately high. And they expect the labor market to cool until the vaccines are widely distributed, which is going to be a while before it's widely distributed. Yeah. So, yeah. Although they just figured out the Pfizer vaccine, uh, Pfizer's stuffing six pounds of vaccine in a five-pound bag. Yeah, that's a cool they story. They got leftover doses. That's a cool story. So they, they, they wanted to make sure when they were giving out the uh, the shots that they didn't run low, and they actually put extra in there. So it turned yeah, kind out. Kind of a generous pour from your bartender type thing. Exactly. Yeah. Give me the heavy pour there, Jim. Exactly. Whoa, whoa. What are you stopping for? And they put enough extra in the bottle, they're getting a whole nother shot out of a lot of them, and they think this is actually increases the current national supply by up to 40%. Wow. Yeah, sometimes 40%. Even, sometimes even two extra doses, which is great, but uh, they also said, now if there's like half a dose left in this vial and half a dose in this vial, do not combine them Why? to make a dose. Uh, something about cross-contamination. Whatever. Similar rules it's, at restaurants with, like, half-filled ketchup bottles. You're not supposed to mix yeah. them together to make one full ketchup bottle. And, Sean, you know, uh, around here, this may surprise you, but often we'll end up with three or four bottles of wine with an inch or two of wine in them, and I'll just pour a couple, two, three in a glass. Make a suicide. Junior will say, that's right, a suicide. Oh, my God. Like, I'm 12 years old. And uh, my wife will say, oh, what are you doing? I'll say, yeah, it's a blend. That's, you know. Don't judge me. It's, it's a vaccine blend. It'll be fine. It'll be, you might discover something new. Yeah. Boy, meanwhile, the situation is grim in some parts of the country. Yeah. 
I mean, overwhelmed ICUs, they're canceling everything else again and taking over like the pediatric ward for COVID patients. And ah, it's nasty. Cal Unicornia is getting crushed, particularly the southern half of the state. Yeah, I saw the numbers like South Dakota, which has, I think, the worst numbers in the country. It was one out of uh, one out of every uh, hundred or so people have died. I mean, it was just an extraordinarily high number. Yeah, yeah. Well, if California was a country, it would be like ranked three or four in the world in infections at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, Although, tough. so big breaking news uh, last night, overnight, whenever was that the the president of France, Macron. Got uh, got the COVID. Why is that still such a headline? Guy his age, ninety nine point seven five percent likelihood he lives. Right. How is that such a headline? If he gets sick, let me know. If he gets the flu, does it make worldwide news? Because that's about the same. Well, it might be significantly less in terms of debilitating him. He might be fine. Yeah, I mean, so, if you I mean it's with... mildly interesting, but if he gets sick, sick, let me know. I just, I don't think it does any good for our psyche to act like that's a big deal. I would agree. Yeah. He's got the COVID lottery ticket, and the chances are extremely good. He won't win death. Yeah. Uh, on the other hand, on the other hand, uh, creepy, creepy Gavin Newsom, uh, originator, the namesake of the Gavi Awards, has ordered like several massive refrigerator trucks for the bodies. Yeah. So that's not good. No, it's not. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't want to be an alarmist or, when, or a when, drag. I'm already a drag. I apologize. A, when a governor's under a lot of political pressure, makes a big announce, splashy announcement like that, I uh, I smell, uh, you know, diversion, trying to change the topic, that Meh. sort of thing. Yeah, maybe. So he's certainly capable of trying, anything. Trying to change the topic to all the dead bodies? Just that's, anything that's not recall or French laundry. It is an odd dodge, though, Positive Sean. You're right. <laughs> Listen, forget about me going out to dinner. Lots and lots of my people are dying <laughs> under my watch because I'm in charge. Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> I still smell a cover-up. Yeah. Um, I had something else I was going to say before we kick off the show, but I don't remember what it was. So Christmas yeah. is really getting close. Yes, I'm it is. I'm feeling the pressure. I got things I got to find, like today. Uh, getting them shipped is just practically impossible. You got to find them physically and go pick them up, or you're out of luck. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, a few things are open. It's a weird Christmas, no doubt about it. Eesh. I'm dreaming of a weird. No, I'll stop. A weird Christmas. Hey, no, please. It's the song of the season. My <laughs> my kid's graduating from college today. I'm going to her graduation, which means I'll be looking at a laptop for a while. And then we're going to have her big graduation dinner, which is going to consist of carrying out from an Italian joint down the street. Spam those W's in chat, Joe. Let them know that you think the W's for for winning, right? Like, so if you're in the chat, that's how you cheer. You want? Yeah, I, I was going to say I, I need. Didn't, I didn't know uh, an interpretation. Yeah, yes. you put a W in your chat to uh, cheer. So text-based communications is often just reduced to the fewest number of characters possible, right? So if if, if you're watching a streamer and they do bad, right, the chat will all of a sudden just be a be a sea of F's for fail. They failed. Ah, you spam those Fs in chat, right? Yeah. Uh, similar for winning, or you know, but in various chats will have their own lingo and codes and stuff or whatever. But but yeah, yeah thank yeah, you because I didn't understand any aspect of what you had said. <laughs> yeah, so that's essentially how you applaud when you're watching a stream as you participate in chat. I'm not winning. Gonna, I'm not. Winning. Gonna, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> um, let's introduce our squad. There's our board operator, Michelangelo, pressing buttons, flipping toggles, pulling levers. How are you this morning, Michael? 
I'm doing okay. Um, I finally got my tree back upright. I think I just got a... <laughs> What, did you have to hire a crane? No, I, I got a crappy stand. Yeah, <laughs> oh. I didn't get the right stand. Buy the good stand is a oh, lesson yeah. worth learning. Yeah, and, and the tree was kind of, uh, you know, we, we got it cheap. We, we thought, we you know, we we're going to save a few bucks. Frugal. And it, tur- it turns out it wasn't worth the money. I'm going to, next year, I, we're going the whole way where somebody, you know, Ties it to the car. You know, the whole thing. The whole thing. <laughs> Did you get a Craigslist? What happened? <laughs> no, we got it outside of a warehouse club. And they had gotcha. a big bin of them, and you just grab it and take it home, and you unwrap it and see what it looks like when you get home. And so uh, it looked fine. The tree looked great, but the base was kind of bent on it. I thought that wouldn't be a problem, and it was a problem. And I'm telling you. So I just needed to last eight more days. It's getting a little dry. <laughs> I ought to, as a as a grizzled old dad, I really ought to sell my services every Christmas time as a Christmas tree consultant. All right, folks, let's look at this one now. Oh, it's so pretty! Look, there's a kink in the trunk that throws off the center of gravity. It's a tipper moving along, and I would be kind of a drill sergeant of picking trees, and everybody would be happy with their tree, though. Mm. Yeah, that's and, what I and, got was a tipper. Well, and Michael, what Jack said about the stand is there are a few things in life just never, ever skimp. Shoes and Christmas tree stands. <laughs> All right. Lesson learned. All yeah. right. The the really janky Christmas tree stands that are uh, pot tin and uh, you got to put them all together and they're, they're 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 not wide enough to hold up anything of any weight. Right. And then you got those bolts you got to turn that just no way that's going to hold the tree up. Anyway. Uh, there's Positive Sean, whose smile lights up the room. How are you, Sean? Doing very well. The amount of joy that I derive from people's bafflement at my relationship with food far <laughs> exceeds oh, wow. what I imagine anybody's actual joy of food could possibly be. Well, that's interesting. I, I, it happened yesterday where uh, somebody was uh, getting some food delivered to the radio ranch. I, I, I forgot to bring some some stuff, so I had a, I had an omelet delivered. But it, it was probably, I don't know, hour, hour and a half before I was actually able to eat it because I was still working and stuff. And so by the time I grabbed it, he said, hey, you're going to want to throw this in the microwave probably at this point. It's been sitting out here for a while. I just looked at him and said, nah, it's fine like this. And the food is fuel. And he just looked at no, 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 what are you talking about? And then I just call him a flavor chaser, and I leave the room. <laughs> and uh, and I get so, I don't understand why that makes me so happy when people act bewildered. My wife's always telling me, you should heat that up, it'll taste better. And I'm, I'm sure it would. And just... It's, I'm, I'm, you two are so strange. I have to walk over to the microwave, and I'll just eat it the way it is. I just need to stop being hungry. I don't need to have a, a flavorful experience. It's you fine. should be in a zoo. <laughs> Throw a bale of hay your way. Eat it like That'd the, be awesome. the animal you are. That'd be awesome. I just um, have it with me all the time? Uh, I'm, jo- I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty on this Thursday, December 17th, the year 2020, where Armstrong and Getty, and we approve of this program. Here we go officially then. According to FCC rules and regulations, the show begins at Mark. You lied repeatedly in the press that I was spreading Russian, dis- Russian disinformation, and that was an outright lie, and I told you to stop lying, and you continue to do it. Mr. Chairman, this is not about airing your grievances. I, know what, I don't know what rabbit hole you're running down. You right talked about you Russian disinformation. Rabbit holes. Senator Paul. This is simply not... Wow. The greatest deliberative body in the world is now a schoolyard. Whoa. That's from the Senate. We'll explain what was going on there a little bit later. How does mailbag look? Oh, it's an embarrassment. It's terrible. <laughs> so, I mean, it it's, 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 could be the end of our career. Wow. No, that's fine. Today, today's the anniversary of the beginning of my radio career. I always remember that every December 17th. Oh, really? I got hired because the afternoon guy was going to have to miss the Christmas party, and he threw a fit. Ah. 
so they had to get a hire. warm body, get a mirror fogger off the street. <laughs> they had to hire somebody <laughs> that could work so that he could go to the Christmas party, or he was going to be very mad. Wow! And That's look, how I got my job. Well, and uh, you know, I I don't know who he is or what kind of guy he is, but uh, he got into computers early. He's probably wealthy oh, by now. I was going to say you're probably more successful in the business than he is, but oh, I, he I, doesn't care. Business, yeah, no, he doesn't care. <laughs> He got into Apple computers early in the 80s. I shouldn't have brought it up. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's all right. Uh, anyway, we've got lots of stuff to get to. Our text line is 415-295-KFTC. Armstrong and Getty. Bells will be ringing. This sad, sad news. Oh, what a Christmas. So the jobless claims uh, up again this week. It's the highest number since September, so it's definitely going the wrong direction. For now, they say they expect hiring to increase in the second quarter. The second quarter? Hmm. Got to wait a while for that. Yeah, yeah. Well, the the phrase light at the end of the tunnel is so thoroughly cliched and worn out at this point. Uh, but it, it is at least nice to have what appears to be an end date. Well, not a date specific, but you know what I mean. Well, a belief it's going to end. Yeah, without the vaccine, there'd be no reason to think things are going to get better. You know, we might have to remake society. Do you remember those few days which were probably inaccurately reported, but when we thought you might be able to get it over and over again? Yeah. Until it finally gets you? Oh. Well, that would have just changed mankind for the rest of our history. Or until they came up with a vaccine, which, as it turns out, they have. George. George. George Clooney says Tom Cruise is not wrong. Details on the Tom Cruise explosion that continues into day two. Coming up. Here's your freedom-loving quote of the day from Ronald Reagan once again. This is such a fundamental point, it really, I'm going to get it tattooed on me. Freedom is not created by government, nor is it a gift from those in political power. It is, in fact, secured more than anything else by those limitations that are placed on those in government. Most of Europe, to the extent that they have constitutions, do look at it the other way around. You get your freedoms from the government. They'll decide what you can and can't do. And you may have noticed they are much more willing to take them away. (laughs) Sorry. I had to clear my throat. Uh, Let's see. Ah, nice note from Megan here. Uh, Wondering whether it would be possible... For your clips of the year to be made available on your website as downloads. Needless to say, it's been a thoroughly crappy year. Uh, like a way to remember that, uh, remember it that won't be ultimately depressing and that it'd be great for people to share. That's, a, that's an interesting idea. Um, ah, she's been listening since she was in high school. And Fantastic. Just turned 38. Okay. <laughs> you know, it's good to be employed. I'll admit oh, that. sure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Thanks for the note, Megan. Really nice to hear from you. Uh, let's see. Uh, this is uh, Thomas regarding uh, Tom Cruise yelling at his uh, employees, mm-hmm. uh, bosses yelling at employees in general. And they're looking at us and using us to make their movies. We are creating thousands of jobs. <laughs> and the, the question we asked was, uh, did we miss, did we lose something when bosses stopped being able to yell at employees like that? I'm not saying that I think that's true. I just wonder. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Because my, my, speaking Pros of my, and cons. Speaking of my first job, my first radio job that started today, uh, my boss yelled at me very similar to that on a regular basis. Yeah, but he was an uh, a-hole. Huh? Well, you can't do that anymore, I don't think. 
Yeah. Tom Cruise anyway, can. Tom Cruise can. <laughs> Thomas writes regarding the subject of bosses yelling at employees and the military training angle. One of your listeners expressed that he didn't understand how his sergeant thought he would do better while being yelled at. That was actually your brother, wasn't it, Jack? Correct. Or, yeah. Uh, I spent many years in the service. During basic training, the purpose of yelling is to introduce an element of stress mm. to relatively simple tasks. The idea is if you can't perform while being yelled at, how could you possibly perform while bad guys are actually shooting at you? That's a good one. Recruits who can't are washed out. On the other hand, I have a feeling that your brother is uh, cool-headed enough that he wasn't even stressed by the yelling. He just thought it was odd, which is probably why he's been, you know, very successful. There's also the training up people that are never going to actually have to do that aspect, which is very common in the military. Like, uh, I was talking a couple weeks ago about this woman I knew who was in the military as a computer expert. Mm-hmm. And and she said, if I ever got to the point that I had to fire my weapon, we were really in bad shape. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, learn to speak Mandarin. <laughs> Yeah, I hear that. Oh, speaking of Mandarin, I like this email mostly because the subject line is Swall Wool. <laughs> Eric Swall Wool. Here's how it happened. Chinese hottie spy compromises official gains access. Once in campaign donations flood. Flood in. Secondary influences, uh, whether knowingly or unknowingly, official now has access to power and influence. Levers are pulled via funding, staff, strong-arm tactics like blackmail. They don't find the dupes. They create them. Interesting. Armstrong and Getty. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Organizers of New York's Times Square New Year's Eve celebration have announced that they will not allow an audience to gather due to the coronavirus pandemic. Fortunately, if New Yorkers still want to watch the ball drop, the Jets have three more games. Hey! The Jets suck! So they, they may go winless, right? Just be the second yeah. time in NFL history? Oh, yeah. They're 0 and what? 12? I think it's uh, 14. 0 and 14? I think it's 13, actually. Okay, Is it 13? Okay. Yeah. But they're, they're nearing pulling off the 0-16, which is not easy to do. Yeah, I, I'm rooting that's so exciting. Hard that. <laughs> now, all of a sudden, I'm into the NFL again. i got to watch the Jets games if they're on. They're probably not on. The NFL stupidly featuring the good teams. Oh, hey, one more quick email. Just super quick. Chris just wrote, could you guys share the Pake recipe again? I lost it and it makes me sad. I'll hit Judy up and we'll post it. The Pake, which is half pie, half cake. Pretty good. On the short list of the best things I've ever eaten. It's pretty darn good. You're, you're not a foodie. No, I'm not. And that thing is delightful. Oh, uh, uh, so, so good. A couple of headlines before we get into the meaty stuff. A group of states now suing Google today, alleging the company manipulated advertising markets in violation of antitrust laws. So you had a whole bunch of states suing Facebook last week, Google this week. And their online ads don't work either. By radio. So we'll see where that goes. The first manned test ride of the Hyperloop happened. Yes. They're still Elon. scraping the body parts out oh, of the... Oh, stop no? it. It went stop okay? It. How dare you, sir? I'm assuming it went okay. <sighs> Elon brings people into space and then returns the rocket without a scratch. Yeah. So, yes, I'll bet he can scoot people along some sort of air tube. Pretty cool. And uh, so we'll have more on that coming up. Excellent. So this is kind of processy stuff. I thought it was really interesting. I don't know if you will, but the uh, uh, there's a bipartisan group of senators trying to 
freaking finally get some sort of COVID relief package out there to keep the economy from tanking. I know the market is up uh, for various reasons which we could get into, but mostly because there's nowhere else to put your money. I was talking to my financial guy the other day. There are there are financial instruments that were paying 6% that are now paying like two-tenths of a percent. Mm. And anyway, so what else are you going to do with your money? But anyway, uh, and with the jobless claims up, we're, we're, it's precarious, okay? But anyway, there's a bipartisan group of senators that's working on finally a coronavirus stimulus bill. And uh, and there's a good report. Where did I get this? I don't even remember. Uh, might be the WAPO. But they're discussing how at one point Mitch had said, Oh, we have a red line on liability. I won't put a bill on the floor that doesn't have liability protection. Well, there's a bill on the floor, or soon to be on the floor, without liability protection. Um, and so here's the interesting part to me. So that the liability protection was for if you're a business and you decided to try to open up and somebody got sick, they can't sue you. Right. But right. that protection is not there. Man, I'm hoping that is moot soon. But anyway, uh, so why did McConnell who's arguably the savviest politician in Washington, fold on that point or give in on that point. Uh, Quoting from the article, the answer offers an important reminder of how the Senate really works and how it could become less dysfunctional in the near future than it's been lately. I'm tempted to play that clip right now of Ron Johnson, that other dude, yelling at each other because that doesn't portend functionality very much. You got that handy, Sean? You lied repeatedly in the press that I was spreading Russian, dis- Russian disinformation, and that was an outright lie, and I told you to stop lying, and you continue to do it. Mr. Chairman, this is not about airing your grievances. I, know what, I don't know what rabbit hole you're running down. You right talked now. about Russian disinformation. Rabbit holes. Senator Paul. This is simply wow. not. That, that's brutal. I think Ron Johnson was totally in the right there, but we'll talk about that later. Anyway, um, when people talk about the Senate, they often imagine that McConnell is the majority leader, is all-powerful, and can prevent any bill he doesn't like from com- for coming up from a vote, for a vote. Uh, that's not the case, because any senator can propose a bill, and if he gets 51 votes to bring it to the floor, it will be there. In recent decades, though, senators have voluntarily surrendered this power to the party's leader, giving the leader veto power what comes to the floor. And it helps keep the parties unified, you know, the whole majority whip thing, making sure everybody stays together. But it comes with a major downside. It makes bipartisan compromise harder to achieve. Coalitions that could pass a bill but don't include the majority leader don't get the chance to form. There's a former Republican Senate staff member, uh, James Walner, who says, by stopping the legislative process before it starts, it makes compromise harder. But on this latest round of stimulus, a bipartisan group of senators um, changed the dynamic by making clear publicly they strongly favored additional aid. They did not publicly threaten to go around McConnell, but they didn't have to. He can count to 51, again, quoting this article, and he was also worried that the two Republican candidates in next month's Georgia runoff were getting hammered over the lack of a deal. And so while it's possible this whole bipartisan upswell, for God's sake, let's get a deal sentiment is a one-time thing, with old man Biden, who's a big fan of the Senate and compromise and everything in the White House, it could be, could be, an era of a little more bipartisan uh, cooperation in the Senate. Interesting. Coming up. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was uh, that was a good, like, uh, real-world uh, discussion of how the power ebbs and flows in the Senate. I was also reading about the House because the margins are so narrow, Nancy Pelosi uh, can't count on 
you know, uh, getting something through with just the Democrats, there's right. m- more likely you're going to have to bring some Republicans along because you're going to, you know, lose the Ocasio Cortezes, for instance, of your party, and you'll have to pick up a couple of Republicans. So you could end up with more bipartisanship there. Well, and could that be if something I'm... if we come out of this era with <laughs> a more bipartisan Senate and House? It just goes to show you the gods laugh at our predictions, you know. Uh, but correct me if I'm wrong. I believe that malignant old hag might not even be the speaker. Malignant old hag? Who are because you referring to? She can she can only lose like a couple of votes, right? Yeah, but who are you going to put in instead? That's the thing. But I don't know. Hmm. I don't swing that way, but I'm sure they'll come up with somebody. And, uh, and of course, this is how stupid the nation's media is. A talk uh, swirled around AOC as the Speaker of the House. Because she's famous? The, the chances of her being Speaker of the House are about the same as my dog being the Speaker of the House. But it sounds exciting, and it's clickbait, so they were talking about it for about a cup of coffee. Awesome. So I saw this headline. Um, we lost an icon, and we're getting a creep. Ken Jennings will never live up to Alex Trebek's Jeopardy legacy. Oh, come on. This is a story we talked about last week where Ken Jennings made an unfortunate attempt at humor on a tweet eight years ago, seven years ago, and somebody dug up an old tweet, and so there's the the forces of I don't know who are rallying to try to stop him from being the host of Jeopardy. It just sounds like more clickbait to me, but what was the joke? I can't remember. It it seemed pretty benign to me. Just it wasn't it. It was just idiotic. Uh, it was something about, um, uh, it's so disappointing when you see a hot chick in a wheelchair. Something oh, like that. yeah. yeah mean, it was, was just idiotic. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's obviously in terrible, terrible taste, but he was trying to make a joke, and it, it didn't work. It, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's just unspeakably terrible. Maybe he shouldn't be the host. <laughs> I don't know. Every, everybody's got to be so damn serious. You know, so- a single 144-character sin. Back in the teens. Oh, my God. Thank God Twitter wasn't around when I was in my 20s. Oh, please. Good Lord. Oh, yeah, I'd probably be in prison. I suppose I would. We've have... suspended the First Amendment. This person is so awful. I suppose in my 40s I'd have gone back and deleted, you know, like 90% of the things I tweeted when I was 20-something. Not only not only were they stupid by in any, in any era, but <laughs> times have changed so much with presentism that, uh, you know... Things that were perfectly okay at that time are now disqualifying for a job. Right. Uh, so at this point, so. Yeah. Um, I did a bit of a deep dive yesterday on 3D printers. Maybe I can talk about that coming up. If you're thinking about getting one for your own home for a Christmas present or one for the kids, best 3D printers for kids. I think this might be the year the pandemic is, uh, you know, throws a wrench in everything. But this could be the year that it becomes... Really common for you to run into people who have 3D printers and talk about them and use them regularly. Yeah, we got the email the other day uh, from Dad, and his son had crafted us uh, a Gavi Award trophy with his 3D printer, and that the the man who's the young man who's heading toward some sort of engineering uh, field uh, spent a great deal of time was fascinated by the thing, and it seems to me, I mean, that's that's more than a toy. It's a it's uh, it could be the machine of the future. Well, as we've been saying for years, it, it, at some point everyone will have one in their house. It's just yeah. something you expect to have. Yeah, I mean, for instance, uh, my garage door. You know how the door out to the garage is supposed to be spring loaded so it shuts automatically. Mm. I think that's some sort of fire thing. It is. In case your car bursts into flames. Well, uh, my mine is kind of uh, the my bungee has lost its bounce. To quote uh, Wallace and Gromit. 
and uh, I got to replace those uh, uh, those uh, hinges. So what do I have to do? I got to get into my car. I got to drive across town. I got to go to a big box store. I got to rummage around, blah, blah, blah. Or I could just dial in a couple of numbers to my 3D printer in the future and uh, and uh, craft some. And speaking of craft, you can make all kinds of like crafts, artsy stuff and that sort of stuff. Anyway, I'll tell you more about that coming up because it's a pretty good uh, gift idea for the, for the right kid, for certain kinds of kids. Among other things that we need to tell you about that that uh, kind of on the subject of toys, the Hyperloop, which might be the way we travel in the future. They tested it yesterday. How did it go? Wait a oh. minute. What's that? Uh, California Governor Jerry Brown, former Jerry Brown. What about the choo-choo train? <laughs> what about my bullet train? Uh, stay tuned for all of that on the Armstrong and Getty Show. So they tested out the Hyperloop, which might be the way we all travel in the near future. We'll tell you how that test went here in just a second. But some other technology that's out there. I did this. Uh, I did some reading on the best 3D printers for kids. We don't have one for us at our house. Do you, do you know anyone that has one, Joe? <sighs> I don't know. Not off the top of my no, head, no. I certainly haven't heard anybody mention one. But And I had no idea what they cost. But on this list of best 3D printers for kids, um, like the one that they most highly recommend is 300 bucks. Okay, it's it's you know it's spendy, but it's not mind-boggling. Uh, no, the um the thing that I haven't nailed down is how much of the goo you're going to have to buy and what it costs. Because printers oh, are right. paper printers are cheap because they make all their money off you buying ink cartridges, which are expensive, and you go yeah, through. They practically a lot. exist to sell ink, <laughs> and you go through a lot of them, and they cost a lot. And I'm guessing this this 3D printer goo. Uh, is is not going to be cheap. Anyway, you know, market demands will figure that out, I'm sure. But the, there's a website that I'd highly recommend you check out if you have any interest in 3D printing at all called Thingiverse. T-H-I-N-G-I-verse. Thingiverse. And it has the most popular things people 3D printed last uh, last month or oh, okay. of all time or toys versus, you know, kitchen objects and all that sort of stuff. Well, and you, you can read... get the plans from there and you just plug them into your 3D printer and you make one in whatever color or size that you want. You read my mind because we discussed this a while back and it seemed like mostly people were cranking out tchotchkes and things that yeah. end up on shelves collecting dust. Yeah, there's a lot of that. Like I was seeing here, lots of baby Yoda Christmas ornaments that people were, uh, were creating there in their own well, home. Well, now that's a timeless keepsake. God bless you. Um, a timeless keepsake. But your kitchen stuff, you say, like, uh, I don't know, like a strainer or something? I'm just, maybe I lack imagination. I'm trying to figure out what are what are the popular I'm looking at this uh, clamps of various, all kinds of different clamps. Like if you have to nail something together, glue something together, build something, mm-hmm. uh, uh, paint something. Um, here's a, uh, a bookshelf, bookshelves. Stands, television stands of all kinds of different shapes and sizes and colors huh. that are really easy to make. I was picturing smaller stuff. That's a pretty substantial. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I imagine they're interlocking pieces that you can build uh-huh. as opposed to one monolith. But there are a lot of uh, uh, you know stuff that's going to sit on a shelf and you're going to have it dust. Yeah, a lot of those. Uh, well, you know, which is fine. I remember there are various things, uh, t- toys, chemistry sets, whatever, as a kid 
that, you know, what it produced wasn't really the point. It was stimulating the kid's interest in perhaps building Ex- a skill set. That, that is an excellent point. I never actually made penicillin of anything or anything of any use <laughs> with my chemistry set, yet I did, did enjoy it, and I think I learned something. I mostly just experimented with what would burn the best. <laughs> what would start a fire. Yeah, I, you know, uh, yeah, I, I, it's funny, I look back, my parents gave me a really nice chemistry set, and I'm not sure I did anything productive with it. I, I maybe read about some of the chemicals and uh-huh. what they were, but I'm sure there are interesting experiments, and I didn't do them. What an idiot. <laughs> I was a bad kid. Bad, bad kid. <laughs> um, anyway, I do think everybody's going to have one of these. Here's, here's like a, a, an upgrade from the, the most kid version to $400, which can do more stuff, but. And if you ever get one of these and you start using it in a useful way, you know, text us or email us because I'd like to hear about that. I think that is the future. Seems yeah, like sure. Go ahead, Sean. Seems like there's quite a range on the 3D printer filament. That's quote unquote the ink that is used for it, hmm. uh, ranging from uh, ten dollars to six hundred dollars per kilogram, which is, I guess, how they tend to be spooled. Um, and each print can take about one can easily take one to three percent of your one kilogram spool of filament. So you get. Uh, somewhere between 100 and, what is that, 33? I don't know. I'm bad at math. Well, there are, um, there, but there, there are some things that you would you would pay for the convenience for. So I can make, uh, it was using an example of these little brackets that you would use for a shelf or whatever. I can get the exact size I want and the color I want. I can make it at home without going to the store. That's worth something. But mm-hmm. for a lot of stuff, boy, the trade-off and whether or not it's... How much you, filament do I need to make a life-size Tyrannosaurus Rex skeleton? <laughs> for instance... That's the question I need answered. But right. China is pretty good at making cheap, crappy plastic TV stands. Can mm. I make one cheaply enough at home that it's worth it? Or is it going to cost about the same? Because they're yeah. really good at it. They see, they have slave labor. That's an advantage. China is asshole. In fact, That's almost all point. the things I'm thinking about that I would make, China can make really cheap with slave labor and, uh, and all kinds of competitive advantages the world has given them. So it might be a while before it scales. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. After the first manned test ride, the Virgin Hyperloop co-founder says the transport is not a pipe dream. Josh Geigel is one of the co-founders of the Hyperloop. It's a transportation system that we'll describe here in a moment. He says, how is it that we've seen so much advancement in the computers we hold in our pockets and our ability to launch missions to space to teach machines to think, but I've yet to see a major revolution in transportation here on Earth that's faster, safer, cheaper, greener. He's hoping the Hyperloop will look back on it someday and think about cars and traffic the way we think about fax machines and VCRs, uh, which would you know be pretty awesome, I guess. The Hyperloop can transport you at a, a, up to 600 miles an hour, and at that speed, a trip from New York City to Los Angeles would take just a couple of hours. Right. It's, you know, it's that's slightly faster than uh, a jetliner going across the country. So faster is better, but the difference being it creates virtually no carbon emissions of any sort, right? Yeah. It's similar to the high-speed magnet trains that they've got in Japan, South Korea, and China, but the trains travel in a near-complete vacuum tube, so there is just basically no friction and can travel so incredibly fast. And they tried it out. Um, and said it went really, really well, and that this is going to become a thing. I, st- I still don't get... I mean, I-, I understand that if you went nonstop from, you know, pick a place, uh, at 600 miles an hour, that how much time you'd save, but are, can you make stops along the way like they do with trains and stuff, or planes? 
you know, plane stops in Denver, lets some people off to go different directions, or is it a, everything a nonstop flight, as it were? Well, I, I'd imagine tubes, it would, on, uh, tubes going in everywhere on, through the whole country. You just got a window. See, you crack it, thing. you jump out. You jump out the, uh, at 600 miles per hour. Yeah, go into a roll. That's my recommendation. Yeah, you roll with it. You don't want to try <laughs> to stop the momentum. No, no. <laughs> I, I suspect it would be very much like the airline system. You would have hubs and, and, and spokes, but that's a hell of a lot of digging. I mean, airplanes, for all their complexity and the expense of airports, there's plenty of air up there. You don't have to dig a, a hole through the air and then build a pneumatic tube. And getting back to scaling, how much would you have to charge per ticket to to ever be make it a profitable thing at all, or even break even sort of thing? Yeah, I don't, I don't know, but uh, you know, I don't want to be uh, negative, Nelly. I don't no, want to no, be I'm a sure, can't do guy. But... No, I'm sure smarter people than than, than than me have thought about these things. It's not like, oh, I hadn't even thought about that. I'm, I'm I doubt that's happening. <laughs> oh, the digging, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's it's cool technology, though, no doubt. I mean, it really is uh, awe inspiring. If you could go back and forth between San Francisco and L.A. in like 45 minutes. It would change. Imagine how that would change things. You know, having spent a great deal of time downtown of both cities lately, I don't want to be in either. Can I go somewhere else, Elon? Uh, it occurred to me while I was saying that you can already do that with Southwest Airlines. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyway. But the carbon emissions, the global warming. Armstrong and Getty.